Hello everybody, this is Vicar Jared, and I'm joined by my wife, Emily. Hello. Uh, welcome to our Bible in a Year podcast. Uh, our next episode today is going to be on the Gospel of uh, Matthew. So to start out, uh, for those of you who don't know, the New Testament has four uh, Gospels. They're called the Synoptic Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Today we're going to be looking, obviously, at Matthew. Uh, it's written around... 50 AD. This isn't something that we can point to uh, in the text. It's not dated in that sense. Rather, we know that it's sometime after the uh, ascension of Christ, so that's why we place it roughly around uh, 50 AD. Now, because it's a synoptic gospel, in, in previous books we've talked about uh, prophetic literature. We've talked about, I believe, Proverbs to this point. Uh, in the nature of the, the of a synoptic gospel, we talk about the life of Christ. So this is not something um, that's that's in the future. Rather, it's it's a strictly roughly thirty year history. It, it's it's us walking along the journey of Christ from his birth in the nativity to his ascension, basically. Uh, as far as Matthew goes, to kind of set up who our author is here, and and keep this in mind as you read is that Matthew was a tax collector. We don't know a lot about Matthew outside of that, but we do know that he was a tax collector, and because of this, in the time, he was looked down upon. People looked ill upon uh, tax collectors. They were thought to be kind of the lower class, the, the thieving class. Some of, some of these ideas came to mind for those at this time thinking about uh, tax collectors. That brings us to kind of the book of Matthew, uh, and some of the general content, so I'll, I'll kind of open it up to our guests here, and we'll we'll kind of work our through Matthew together. Well, I mean, starting off with um, the genealogy here um, and going into his birth, um, I know you've noted this as well, but the plan of God and even Jesus's own line is filled with sinners. I mean, we're all sinners. Yep. Um, and the Lutheran Study Bible note even points out that Matthew, making this genealogy, doesn't try to hide who is in the line of Christ. Um, I mean, he has prostitutes, adulterers, violent people, um, and we can't get around the fact that everyone on earth is sinful, even those leading up to Christ, which just really makes him stand out all the more that I mean, he was perfection despite where he came from because he is God. Yeah, and even, I, I, I hope you, you know, as a listener, take the time to kind of read through this genealogy, but even if you kind of pick out the keystones here, we have... King David is really the one who's always at the tip, the pinnacle. It's from David will come our our, our saviors. And David, although um, following God's commandments, did some pretty reprehensible things. He committed adultery. He had somebody murdered for this affair that he has. And then also, because we're in Matthew, and I, as I said it before, Matthew was a sinner and he was treated most of his life like a pretty rough guy. So... We have the author of the book and kind of the head of the genealogy both being sinful individuals, like you said. So as we read through that, it, it's kind of a key idea that something's coming for the sinners. Something's coming for those who are maybe not the best of the best. Yeah, and with that, even going past his birth, he uses sinners in his plan. Um, and not even just sinners, but the unexpected, the people who maybe are the outcasts of society like John the Baptist or prostitutes like Mary Magdalene, um, and that no matter what kind of sinner you are, you can be effective in the plan of God's 
a comforting thing to pull from that. Yeah, I like how you pointed out there the the unexpected. And I said at the beginning here we were going to try and work through uh, the life of Christ because that's what the Synoptic Gospels do. And uh, the first thing that comes to mind, to me at least, is the nativity. It's a birth story. One thing you wouldn't maybe... Well, the whole story is kind of filled with things you wouldn't suspect. It's filled with being born in a less than a kingly manner. It's, it's got prophets who are coming that aren't our usual prophets. We got the Magi coming. Uh, people we wouldn't suspect. People that aren't of God's people to spread the good word. And, and also, uh, you know, we have King Herod, who's kind of a vital person in this. And even though he's maybe not uh, on board with what's going on, he is an important individual in the Nativity story. And somebody who you might not think God would want to utilize for, for the story of Christ. Yeah, it makes me think of um, at your Bible study about the nativity from different perspectives. And the <clears throat> fact that the wise men weren't even necessarily Christians. They're just learned men from a foreign country who came here. Um, and the fact that they were convinced by what they had seen without having been necessarily Christian before all this. And just how uncommon it is everything surrounding Christ's birth. And that's part of what makes it convincing is it, it stands out. Yep. Yep. And in this, in, in sort of this uh, unsuspecting manner, one of the things that Matthew does very well, and one of the key uh, themes that I would hope you, you search for is that uh, Matthew points us to the reign of God. That's one of the main things. It's in the study Bible and a lot of commentaries point to this. Matthew focuses heavily on the beginning of the reign of God and that starts uh, with Christ. And not only that, if we think about him also in an earthly ruler, that's why my, why Matthew includes uh, very heavily this sort of cross-section between Herod and Jesus. He's showing us the sort of beginning of a downfall of an earthly king, one who's not doing a good job, and the rise of a new king, a glorious king who doesn't have it all. He's born in a way that isn't befitting a king, but ultimately that's our king who came for our benefit completely. Yeah, and even not just the first Herod at his birth, but later on the Herod that kills John the Baptist and decapitates him, he was swayed by people rather than God, and it just shows how much fault there is in earthly kings and how easily they can be swayed by things of the world um, and that we should always be looking to the one true king who will never sway he is constant mm -hmm. yep it shows us very much that there's a mission in place here something important is happening and it's happening in ways that well we wouldn't expect it to be happening mm -hmm. i don't know about you but as soon as i started thinking about uh, uh missional ideas and and how we should live our lives the next thing that came comes to mind for me and matthew and, and it kind of brought me there was the sermon on the mount and particularly uh, the Beatitudes. He starts talking about those who should be lifted up and not only is it pointing to sort of how we should live our lives or to some extent a sort of missional idea as he goes out throughout the Sermon on the Mount but also the unsuspected ones. He points out things that if you were the listener you'd be saying really are you, are you sure those are the ones you want to say are blessed? I mean blessed are the ones who are, are mourning, those who are poor, meek, He's pointing to these lowly individuals. It reflects highly on that idea of the sinners, the low types, the, the ones he's come for. 
Yeah, and I feel like like half of this is reminding people who aren't in those situations to see those people as worthy, but as someone who is the poor or those mourning, it's comforting to be reminded that despite the earthly struggles we have, we are blessed. We're blessed because we have the promise of heaven awaiting us. So even if we're poor here, we won't be poor forever. Um, and just also with the idea that, you know, Christ is the normal king. He's a king who wants to comfort the poor. He has his hand in all of our lives and he cares about each and every one of us. And it's, it's comforting to know that no matter what situation I'm in, he's with me by my side. Yeah, that's great. And I know you've said it a couple times in, in prior podcasts, but you, you, you brought a good light here to the idea of kind of the lens in which we read our scripture. And you said it very well. When you read through some of these of, of blessed are the in certain individuals, that really depends on who you are when you're hearing this, what walk of life you're in and, and with what lens it is you're reading that. If you're reading it as a as a gospel that your life is, is headed in the right direction, that God loves you, he's walking with you, or is it you maybe have lifted yourself up and you need to be reminded that all of these individuals are still God's children, the ones that Christ came for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even going into just the next couple of verses of the Sermon on the Mount and the Salt and the Light, I feel like it's a reminder that with those blessings we have, we are the light in this world and a light that's supposed to stand out for people to look to. And I think about those times, I've, I'm sure people have heard this before, the whole instead of, you know, when people ask you, how are you doing? Instead of just saying, I'm good, I'm fine, saying I'm blessed. And just reminding yourself that you're blessed, but also it makes that conversation stand out more to other people, reminding that my Christian identity is a blessing hmm. and making sure that you're living that uncommon life. <clears throat> Yeah, I completely agree. And, and uh, kind of another idea as far as what you're saying there, being blessed, this is why it's important to remember who the author is of these books, what he's writing for. Because if we think about Matthew, we're thinking about somebody who, who is lower and he's not being promised something in the body. He's not being promised that he's going to be made rich and he's not promised that people are going to love him because that's not the promise of somebody who follows Christ but he is promised something far better, and that's salvation with Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's an important aspect. I know we've said it a lot of times. And sometimes peace doesn't always mean happiness. Mm-hmm. In faith, we find peace. You might not find happiness in the moment, but you will find peace and solitude in Christ. Yeah, when reading this section, it made me think that you know we have to accept suffering as part of not only a Christian life, but just a human life. I mean, there's suffering in this world, but remembering that everything that happens, God does for our good as part of his plan. And again, we always have that hope of heaven awaiting us that we just have to make it there and then everything will be good. So there's always hope. There is always hope when you're waiting for Christ to come. Although sometimes it can be a little bit of a struggle to wait <laughs> and wait. But I always think of what Paul said of uh, to live as Christ to die as gain. And I always just kind of think about that one. It's pretty relatable. That it is. Well, I, I said uh, early, and I've said it multiple times, the synoptic gospels help us to cover um, the life of Christ. And unfortunately, you know, I could, we could spend hours here working our way through Matthew, but we got to pull out snippets and and you as the listener get to sit down and really read through 
Matthew verse by verse. Before we get to the end of his life, though, I feel like it's important to remember the way that Jesus always put others first. Mm. I feel like it connects to what we were just talking about with the whole like caring for the poor and them being blessed. And just the way that he sacrificed so much. I mean, yes, he's God, but it's still amazing. All the times he was exhausted after traveling and he would even be trying to get away and people would find him and he wouldn't push them out. Yeah. He would say, you know, little children come to me or just start preaching even though he's completely wiped. And even though, you know, we aren't perfect and we can't be on the go all the time, just reminding ourselves that if a situation arises for us to minister or help someone, that we shouldn't push it away because we're tired and just remember what the ultimate goal is, and that's to share Christ with others. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's a humbling idea, especially at least in my own mind when you were saying that, and I was thinking about some of these individuals that he refers to at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. Sometimes it's not even, uh, I'm tired that I don't want to do it. Sometimes we are placed in situations where we don't want to maybe humble ourselves or maybe there's that individual that you don't want to spend time with. You don't want to proclaim the good word to. You're still called to. Christ didn't stop and say, I know, you know, the, the message isn't for you. It's for these other people. No, he came for everybody. And I mean, everybody from the very lowest to the top of the top. Yeah. And I, I feel like sometimes I catch myself falling into the whole like, oh, I've met my like serving quota for the week you know it's my time to just maybe take a step back but you know if a need need is there's a need we should meet it um and that's hard sometimes i mean no one's perfect and it's hard to always give but also keeping in mind that god gives to us and he will replenish us when we need it he knows our needs don't stop at the one good deed a day right. sort of thing <laughs> Although it is nice to pat yourself on the back sometimes, but yeah. you got to keep going after the one, one a day. <clears throat> so that brings us to sort of, unless you had something else you wanted to say on the Beatitudes, I was thinking sort of the, the end of, of Matthew's gospel. Um, he, we get the, uh, the ascension of Christ, and then we have the Great Commission. I'm sure you've heard about this. You've heard somebody say something about it, but ultimately... It's Christ sending out. It's Christ saying, go. And, and especially, uh, this is important for, well, for everybody reading the gospel. This is not just to the disciples. That's why I wanted to bring us here because Matthew focuses heavily on, on being mission-focused, doing. That's exactly what we get uh, in verse 28 toward the end here is the Great Commission. Uh, verse 16, if you're, if you're following along. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's nice how succinct it is. I mean, it's, it's what, like three verses? Mm -hmm. And we come back to it all the time, and it, it still holds weight. And, I mean, we use it in the call of pastors and the call of other church workers. And that idea of go and baptize. And I thought back to um, this Sunday's reading was talking about Christ's baptism and the fact that he doesn't ask us to do anything that he wouldn't do. He baptized, he went out and encouraged others to be baptized. I don't know, I still think of it as just part of that uncommon <clears throat> thing we've been talking about, that Christ would be baptized. I mean, mm -hmm. he's perfect. Um, but the fact that he's in it all with us, and he, he came to earth to be with us and experience the pain that we experienced, 
and now for us to go out and share the comfort that he shared with us. Yeah, 100%. And as you were talking here, I was thinking about kind of who our God is, who Jesus is. And I want to I want to commend to you and as well as the listeners here the beginning and the last things that Jesus has to say because it speaks a lot about who he is. Uh, if you look at verse 18, Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then if you skip to the very end, he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that last statement says he's, he's following along with us. He's with us at all times. But if you take that alone, you start to say, well, what, what is that doing? But that first verse, or that, that first verse I read for you, it's great having him along with us because he's everything. We have the one who's in control of everything walking along with us. I mean, it, it's like as if he's given you his resume and his resume is completely perfect. He has all power. And now he's just saying, well, I'm going to follow you. Whatever it is that you're going to be doing, I'll be there with you, which is incredible. Yeah. And the teacher part of me leans towards focusing on uh, where it starts, verse 20, saying um, for us to go and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And the nice thing to know is we have the teaching material right here. We don't have to make it up on our, on our own. We've got the Bible. We have his words. I mean, it's amazing reading the red print that we have the actual words of Christ um, that we can pull up on our phones or open up in our Bibles and that we get to share that with others. And we don't have to make up the material. We know what the teaching is and it doesn't change. It's consistent. Thank goodness for that because if we left up to us, whew, we'd probably run into some issues. Oh yeah. And I mean, I know that there's, you know, different ways we've interpreted things and that's why we have different denominations, but it's nice to know that at the heart of it, the, the center of Christianity is the same, unchanged. It's Christ. He is at the center of it all. And I don't know, it's just comforting. It's powerful stuff. Do you have any other thoughts before we get to kind of the five main takeaways from Matthew for our, our listeners as they read through with the, by themselves? Yeah, I know. I was kind of thinking about how amazing it must have been to be the disciples um, there with him during his ministry and being able to see Christ firsthand and thinking then about all the stuff that they went and did after he left. And I was thinking like, well, yeah, if I was in Christ's presence, I'm sure I would change my life and go and tell everyone about it. And then I thought, well, I feel like some of us use that as an excuse of, you know, I haven't really seen it. You don't, I haven't had that mountaintop experience and the fact that you don't need that to be a good Christian or to be able to share the gospel. And we don't need those excuses of those like spiritual highs that, you know, just stay in your Bible and read and the word can inspire you, but it doesn't have to be this, you know, emotional high experience. I think even more than that, because I've kind of thought about this before and I've heard people say that. And I think whether it be reading our Bibles or, or even there are people that I've talked to that have sort of these these miracles, you know that something had happened. There was somebody else's hand involved. Mm -hmm. And just like the disciples, man, we are so forgetful. It doesn't matter what happens. We are just quick to forget. And as soon as something bad starts happening, we start to forget immediately and point to ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's why it's vital. And that's why the Bible in a year podcast and, and the programs going on is because it's vital to come back and read about what it is Christ does or those who have spoken about Christ before he comes. I mean, 
the the lines in the Bible are incredible and, and the logic and everything else is it's incredible. Yeah, I was even thinking with the that very last verse that I am with you always to the end of the age. It made me feel sad for people who are deists and believe there's a God out there that just created everything and then sat back to watch it all burn. <laughs> but we have this God that literally walked among us um, and suffered with us and for us. I mean, took on our our debt of sin. Yep. Um, and I also was wondering if the disciples were disappointed or confused when Christ hadn't returned again before they died. Because I know some of them, I, I'm pretty sure, believed that he was coming back within their lifetime. But the nice thing is that we know from experience in the Bible that God follows through on his promises. If he says he's coming back, he is. And yep. I mean, we hadn't mentioned it in the nativity, but all of those prophecies that were fulfilled. I mean, we know he follows through and he doesn't lie to us. So mm -hmm. just reminding ourselves that even if it isn't in our lifetime or our kids' lifetimes, we know that he is going to come and he is going to follow through on his promises. Yep. Well, uh, great points, and I hope you all enjoyed it. As as is fashion with these podcast episodes, we're going to be going with our five main takeaways. Uh, so first off, Christ saves sinners. He came for sinners. He saves sinners. And this is a, a great thing to remember. As we go through our lives, we slip up. As I said, storms come, and we start to forget what it is that we're doing. doesn't matter. Christ comes for us regardless of what it is we're in. He comes for sinners. Uh, second takeaway, kind of carrying on that same thought, you don't have to be perfect to spread the word. Look at Matthew. He was somebody who people probably didn't want to welcome into their homes. You hear tax collector and you had some bad thoughts. But that doesn't matter. Christ still chose Matthew, just like he chooses all of his children, to spread the good word. So regardless of what it is you're going through, spread the good news. Uh, our third main takeaway, a plan has been started in Christ, and it's one that includes you and me. As we said, the synoptic gospels tell about the life of Christ, but the journey, the, the journey, the mission of Christ is still going on, and we're all a part of that. He's welcomed us, invited us, and as you'll see in the Great Commission, commanded us to go out and be a part of his, his mission. Uh, fourth, know your king. Know your savior. We said uh, struggles happen. Maybe we feel like we we missed out being able to walk with Christ in, in the flesh. But what we have here is the Word. And as we know, Christ is the Word made flesh. Dive into your Bible. Know your Savior. Know Him personally so that way you're strengthened to go out and share the good news. And, and fifth, I've said it, share the good news. Go out, do these things, and allow others to know who Christ is because He's come for everybody. Well, thank you, Emily, for, for volunteering to be a part of our podcast. And uh, thank you all listeners for, for tuning in. I hope it enriches your reading, and I hope you enjoy reading through Matthew as much as myself and Emily have. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.